You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and uh, joining me today, the one, the only, Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'd be doing better if we had better hockey to talk about. Right? <laughs> I feel like I said that last week, too, but uh, we have a rough, a rough Flyers week to talk about here. Uh, turns out the Washington Capitals are a very good hockey team. Uh, we learned that lesson this week, and as we kind of get into our discussion here, I want to remind you to follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. You can also follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Derso. Um, follow the show on YouTube at YWT Podcast to get you right to us. Uh, you can find the show everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, uh, sportstalkphilly.com. And uh, all right, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm mixing up whether I do it at the beginning or not. I figure I figure we'll mix it up, keep things uh, keep things fresh. Uh, things that weren't fresh. Uh, the flyer starts this week. Uh, what was what was the, would you say that was the biggest issue this week was just the first ten minutes, basically, and what kind of stemmed out of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's not the first ten minutes because stuff that happens in the first ten minutes is happening all game. Okay. I mean. It, it's real. It's just I'm not even saying it's hard to get a read on this team. It's not hard to get a read on them right now. It's it's hard to understand why what is a problem is still a problem halfway through your season. Right. I mean, it, this team's a turnover machine. It's a flat out turnover machine. Yeah, it's not I, great. It's 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 you know, look, I'm not going to tell you and I watch a lot of hockey games and you know this. I'm not trying to sit here and profess to be, you know, if any, if everybody else wants to sit there and say, you know a lot about the league, you are smart when it comes to talking about the game. Listen, I will say it for you what you're too humble to say. You are very knowledgeable about the NHL. Okay, that's fine. And All you I'm prove it on your other podcast, by the way, which people should follow. Yeah, Open Ice Hits. Open with, Ice with, Hits. With Hunter Brody. Yeah. Um, who, who, that's part of the reason why the Sunday morning with the time change is not just... A slow one because of the time change. I was literally still. I mean, in addition yep. to talking about what we're going to try to talk about on our new episode for that show, Broads and I were talking for probably about an, at least an hour last night. Whew. Once I got home okay. after the game was over, going, "What's going? Like, what's the deal? What's the problem?" Right. Because and, there's definitely a problem with this Philadelphia Flyers team. That's for sure. And I mean, I tried to cover as much of it as I could in, in the takeaways. It's becoming more and more difficult but here's here's the thing that i find that's actually consistent when it comes to this team and the way that i have to or not have to but the way i watch a game and this is where i'm coming from when i say i don't profess to be ridiculously smart when it comes to that aspect of it i can pinpoint and go back and watch the watch the highlight of just the goal against and find the error every single time that's how obvious it is to a commoner right yeah, you know what if, I mean, like if you can look at it and tape it or and trace it just watching, I mean, a some lot, of it's just, and some of it's just flat out stupid. Yeah, there's just obvious mistakes. We've seen I mean, so many turnovers what, at the offensive blue like, line, the defensive blue line, everywhere. Do Do we want to just start with Saturday specifically because that's the most recent one? It's the sure, that's one. that's the fresh wound. Yeah. Okay. Forget the fact that he scored a goal. What's Nolan Patrick doing half the time? It's yeah. Neutral zone turnover leads to a goal, and it's a bad rebound by Brian Elliott, who was playing in his third game of the week or fourth game of the week, because I believe what what was it? No, he didn't start the Washington game. He had started the second Pittsburgh game though, right? Like the first game of that weekend. So you're so what you're going back to is that Brian Elliott had played basically, or actually, I'm sorry, it knows because it, it only feels this way. He played the entirety of the four three comeback win in yep. Pittsburgh. Yep. Because. Believe me, the way that game started, it felt like a goalie change happened. 
It did. Hey, yeah. But they they end up winning that game. Then he plays the loss on Saturday in Pittsburgh, and he's not yeah. quite. You know, he, he he it wasn't necessarily his fault, but he wasn't the sharpest either. Certainly. Then they play Washington and play Carter Hart, and he loses. But it's three one. They didn't have the legs. It wasn't necessarily, you know. It's all not all on him for sure. Then came the Buffalo game, and again, and and on. If I just look strictly at the schedule, you sit there and you look at the result, and there's a W there, and you go, okay, they did Things what they great. had to do. But the process was so awful, and yeah. and believe me, it's a topic that we're going to probably talk about later because it's the it's the topic because it, it has to do with your goaltender. You know, Carter Hart was in there and he gets pulled, and it's not it, just, and that's not really the story because. You know, I'm not like I'm not sitting here telling you Carter Hart was sharp in that game. He was far from it. He was not. But he's got the, the, the whole team has no support, period. Right. And that game he gets pulled. So now Brian Elliott's come in and played again, and it's and he's played. What was it? He played the, from second period on. So now he and and that's a weird one because that's not just playing second period on and saying all right he played the last forty. No, he played forty five because it went to overtime and then had to win a shootout. Yep. So and not did. the easiest of work. Then he plays Wednesday or, or, or Thursday. Then he plays Saturday. So Brian Elliott played basically three games in a row, four of your last five, and five of your last six. That's getting to the territory of overuse with him at, his, yeah. at this stage of his career. So he was awful. And the first goal was the definition of what happens when he gets played as often as he does. Right? Like, but you know what? You know, I do have to say. Yes, I agree that Brian Elliott has been a little overused. I do agree that he's given up some soft goals that have that look like signs of kind of fatigue from him. I don't think Elaine Vino has made a poor decision in net at all no, at no, any, no. At any not, for I'm any individual game because yeah, Carter Hart that. Carter Hart has no confidence right now. You said it in the group text. He has none, and it doesn't look like he's getting it back anytime soon. He hasn't looked good. And that's to be expected, though. I mean, that's the thing. If if you spent the entire year as as an organization looking at the at the playoffs last year and going, that's the one thing that you can hang your hat on is the young goaltender looks outstanding in the playoffs, and that's what's going to get you so far. This then this is kind of what you were faced with to an extent because he's not twenty six year old Jordan Bennington who has been around the block in the minors so long that he knows how to deal with adversity at that level. Right. Carter Hart level. played half a season with the Carter Phantoms. Hart played, and... Carter Hart played two months of an yeah. NHL season and then was up in the NHL and started having success. And it doesn't mean he's not going to be good, great, right. elite down the line. All things possible. It's just he's 22. Go and look at what Carey Price was doing at 22. Go and look at what, and, and I can't say at 22, but go and look at how old Henrik Lundqvist was when it finally kicked in. Or when, as Elaine Vigneault talked about, Roberto Luongo. These are Hall of Fame goaltenders. Each one of them, all three of them that we just mentioned, right? Carey Price is going to be. Lundqvist is going to be. Even if you talk about a guy like Robin Lanner, you know, how old was he when he, when it finally clicked for him and he started putting up that number? Earlier this week, I mentioned. I actually mentioned it on. I I think I mentioned it on Open Ice. Or, or, or no, I didn't. I mentioned it on my spot on the radio on ninety seven okay. three the other day. I saw something on Twitter. Dominic Hasek was twenty nine years old when he became a starter for Buffalo. Yep. Twenty nine. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, there and I, is, and, and, and I get it. Like Hasek had a international, exp- like international play right. that made him come over to the league late. But you're 29. His prime years were 29 to 36. Yep. Yeah. There, there is a segment 
of the fan base who has given up on Carter Hart. And, and that's a thousand percent wrong. That fan base or that that portion of the fan base. I, I think you're forgetting how weird goalies are and the fact that goalies don't even generally get their first crack at an AHL everyday starting job until they're 23 or 24 mostly. And this guy is at 22 years old already into into his sophomore slump. And if that's what this is for Carter Hart, there's a real good chance that the kid who we've thought was the prodigy and the Messiah all along, and I know I'm being a little, a little over the top here, but he has been claimed as the next one in net. He's he's got time, guys. He's twenty two. Well, did did you see? The it's thread? fine. Did you see the thread that I I ended up sharing it from Bill Meltzer because Bill Meltzer helped write a book on okay. Pelly Lindbergh, and part of the book obviously is going to who Pelly Lindbergh looked up to his entire life and was mentored by and all that Bernie Perrant. Now you can't okay. get a better mentor than that, by the Certainly way. Certainly not, right? No. He explained Bernie. Bernie explains in the book that. During this one of his, it, it might have been it was like his second year pro or something like that or one of them and he was struggling really bad and the thing is is that when you let the negative thoughts get in your your head's not right yeah and the mentality shifts and everything feels like it's going wrong and you have to get over that and you have to work through it and things like that and but it's hard when it's in your head like that and you start to overthink everything and your confidence is low and all of that now you've got to look at that path to an extent that. Pelle Lindbergh was on a path to be eventually being the best goaltender in the league because he won the Vesna, but it didn't come without having a, a season of struggles. You know, he went from strong rookie to struggling to back to the, you know, to right. the best in the league. Well, and also we have heard on multiple occasions Carter Hart be very open about uh, the mental aspects of playing goalie and working with a sports psychologist and. Carter Hart knows the mental aspects of playing goalie as well as any 22-year-old goalie on the planet. I expect him to get his head out out of the clouds and and back to where they need to be. And if anyone can figure it out, it's Carter Hart. And he's working with people who know him better than anybody. Right. Well, and and that see that's been my argument all along with the whole team, though. What Nolan Patrick's doing, for example, I mentioned the turnovers. Right. That's fixable. You can yeah. fix making a turnover. You would it's think. Not like, it's not like we're sitting there saying, oh, my goodness, they they do this wrong because they aren't in the right spot or whatever. I'm not sitting there saying their positioning's perfect, but it's not like they're always – there's no way they're always in the wrong spot. There's right. no I, way. It's not, it's not possible to be in the wrong spot the entire game when there's open ice around you, right? Right. I if think – you make if, – if, if the bottom line is, is that if you make a pass from behind your net to try to break out of the zone, and it's in the skates of the player you're passing to, that is all execution. And right. There's nothing else beyond that. It's a, That's execution, and that's fixable. But you've also there, – there's a, there comes a certain point, and I mentioned the Nolan Patrick stuff. Nick Aubrey-Cubell didn't even jump over the boards for 19 seconds last night. Okay. Didn't even come on the ice for a shift. And I'm like, this is not – I'm not saying this is what frustrates me. Here's, here's the thing. Not only was he demoted for the rest of the game to the fourth line after that – but I don't care what your team looks like right now. I don't care who you have to put in the lineup. I'm benching him next game. Yeah, for He's sure. He's out. I'm sorry. You don't play. You don't. You cannot be that mentally unprepared. In mentally checked at out. At any point. You can't check out like that. Right. You if absolutely can't. Yep. And that is half on. And that's kind of like. 
like you almost don't know who to blame for that. Like half of that is like half of that to an extent is coaching because coaches need to make sure the players are ready. And but they have to be time, checked that's in on too. the player himself. Yeah. You can't yeah. check out. And you're not only that, but if you're in especially if you're in his in his shoes, okay. Let's just have a hypothetical, not like it would actually happen in a game, but let's say it was Sean Couturier that had that mental check out, right? You're yeah. not going to bench him for a game, but you're going to, you know, but you might, you honestly might sit him down. You might for a skip shift. him a couple of shifts, right? Yeah. You might sit him down for a shift or two. But Nick, but what I'm saying is that why is that? Because Sean Couturier is an alternate captain of this team. Sean Couturier is still your best player, and he's, he's been a leader. The last few games, yeah. like I'm sorry, like I, I'm not saying, you know, I know the team looks bad right now. Sean Couturier is the best player on this team. Sean Couturier he's is the best the player on this team. He's been consistent, and he's been the bright spot out of just about every game this week because he's made something happen in every single game. They've lost, essentially, it looks like they, you can, it feels like they've lost the last four, correct? It, like, it, yeah. The the when we, went, when we sat down and like talked, I said, yeah, and something, 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 talking about three losses, and you went, wow, I really thought it was four because it was just such a dismal week. Right. And even the Buffalo win didn't really feel all particularly all that earned. So it felt like a four-loss week for sure. But here's the thing. So Sean Couturier has points in every single game this week. It doesn't even feel like it. And it's just very quietly. But it's quietly, but he's become he's, – he's a very smart player, obviously, and we knew that. But he's he's getting what – you know, we, we marveled at Kevin Hayes for the ability to protect the puck and set guys up and keep possession – yeah, Sean I do Couturier want to talk about Kevin Hayes like after right we get now. done talking about Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier is playing that way right now. It, so he is. that's what's yeah. really impressive. And it, it, But I'm saying, you know what to expect from him. You know he's one of your best, and you know he's giving it so often. that, Like, let's just say, quite frankly, it probably wouldn't happen. But I'm saying, if the guy has a mental lapse like that, he's been he's established. Right. Nikolai Kubel is not an established player on this roster, technically. No, he's a borderline. You still have to play he's a borderline like you're fighting guy. for your life. He's been healthy every, scratched. Right. But you have to play like you're fighting for your life every single game. You have to play like your replacement is standing right behind you. You're, you have to play like Scott Lawton plays every single hockey game. Yeah, kind of. That's a good one. And and I think there are a number of people in the bottom six who should play more like Scott Lawton. And that's what made Scott Lawton so effective in the bottom six. And that's why he ended up getting a chance on the second line during the bubble in the playoffs last year. But doesn't this make so much sense? No, doesn't this make so much sense? Scott Lawton played with such an urgency as a, as a center that yep. eventually they go, let's try you at wing and move you up. And it still worked, right? Yep. Nick Ove Kubel was playing on the third line last year. Third slash fourth, but third at times. Because he was a good energy player. He was right. pushing the play. He was driving the play with the forecheck. He was doing all those little things really well. And at different points in time, depending on who it was, because they've obviously had to shuffle, like last year they had to shuffle with absences because there was no Nolan Patrick and after a while no Oscar Lindblom. Right. They had a guy whose name was Tyler Pitlick who would drive the play. He sure did. And, and you know I was a big fan of Tyler Pitlick. And I really truly thought they weren't going to miss a guy like that because I thought, no, you know what, it was a team mentality. One player doesn't make that whatever. Right. Tyler Pitlick's not that you much are, better than, say, Michael Raffle. Right? right? They're a similar skill so, level. Right. You are so missing out on opportunities because you're not, not and it's not just because you're not driving the play. You, let's just say, everybody, I, I know that the freak out here is going, there's two things that people are going to freak out with after losing three out of four this week, all to Washington, five of your last seven, and, and all to teams in front of you in the division. There's th there's I know there's a thing that people are going to freak out about, and I'm going to tell you it's not the reason why they're struggling. 
And people are going to point right to the guy who wears the C on his chest and go, it's a leadership issue. It's the same captain, same results, blah, blah, blah. Shut up, people. No, and listen, here's why. Claude Drew is actually probably one of the top two or three players on the team right now in terms of the way he plays on a night-in, night-out basis. And he, st- and he was centering the third line last night. I agree. Claude now, Drew does, dominates games. Now, what does that yeah. tell you? about the, either A, the rest of the group that's playing higher up. And I'm not saying, like, look, at the end of the day, I'm sitting there looking, I'm going, it's hard to break up that first line because they give you a lot right now. Couturier, JVR, and Farabee. Right. Break it up because you're not distributing enough. Like, yeah. we're seeing the struggle to get anything going. Like, in every single game they played this week, and I'm going to go just double check really quick because I want to make sure that I'm right about this before I say something. Okay, so Sunday's game, Joel Farabee scored the opening goal. Yep. Now look at that. Tuesday's game, James Van Riemsdyk scored the opening goal. Yep. How about Thursday's game? Travis Konechny on a power play. But then, oh look, third period, you're trying to come back. Here's Ivan Provrov from Sean Couturier. That was a four-on-four, so that was a little different. So they they were scoring in different situations. And then, oh yeah, Saturday, who scored the opening goal? James Van Riemsdyk. So which line is getting you going every single night when it comes to trying to start finally playing? The line that has your three best players this year. Because Correct. In, Correct. On, the, on the forward core, I would say you talked about Claude Giroux being one of your best forwards, and I agree. He's been very good. I'm not taking that away from him at all. You mentioned that Sean Couturier has been your best forward. James Van Riemsdyk has very likely been your second. I was going to say Farabee, but okay, yes. Like, oh, really? Because I was going to say JVR second, and then Farabee and Giroux kind of tossing up for third. I'll, I'll give you, I will give you one thing, and that's it's that JVR is not as noticeable on the defensive end, and I say that meaning of course no, no, because I say and I say that meaning not noticeable is a good thing. Uh, right, he's not he's like, not a problem. I've been able to pinpoint Joel Farabee missing an assignment defensively, and look, chalk that up to being a younger guy. Yeah. Understood. He's playing top line minutes right now, which means playing the best players in the league. That might be it. And and look, as much as I like where how far he's come, how much he's scoring, and how much he, his smart is sh- like his smarts are showing in the game. Yeah, maybe he's the guy you take off the line. Maybe because JVR's not killing you defensively. He's not. He's kind of not a help like helping or hurting. You know. Well, what I, mean? I, like, I I did actually want to mention with JVR real quick that uh, we talked about turnovers earlier, and JVR in previous years has been pretty guilty of that uh, that Jake Voracek turnover at the blue line, mm-hmm. and he's been much better with that this year. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I certainly well, am seeing it much less because he's just been a better player. Name name overall. a player. Name a player who has not had a turnover at some point. You know? Oh, sure, of course. But, exactly. I mean, he he was he was chronically guilty of it for a while. He was one of the bigger offenders, well, no, that, and the, I did the, want to give him a little credit that he's tightened that up. The, the point you're making is, is that at a different point, at, at certain points last year, this is either a fourth liner or a healthy scratch. And uh, right, now he's exactly. a top-line left winger. And there's no question about it. And there's talk about him, again, where he's in the conversation for your best forward on the team. Right. I, I look. I I still stand by my statement. It's it's Sean Couturier, and I and Sean Couturier is the best player on this team. Period. Because oh, I you're agree. Not, no, because if you're not getting the goaltending, which you're not, so Carter Hart's not there yet. You can't say you can't say it. And Brian Elliott's just not. He's doing no, his best. Brian Elliott's like, playing fine. But but, yeah. but like it's clear the impact that Matt Niskanen's absence is having on Ivan Provorov specifically. Yes. I cannot look at Matt Niskanen as an as an excuse for five other guys on the team who didn't play with him last year. Uh, right. Like, I'm sorry. 
right. end of the day, it's either you don't get what's going on, you don't know how to play your position the right way in this system, or how to not make that mistake with the bad pass, or you were never good enough and you kind of just glided through that season getting luck, but more lucky than good, you know? But, like, honestly, I, there's part of me that's completely at a loss with this because I... I, I did not think that this is the type of conversations we'd be having this season. Not even in the sense that, look, struggles happen. And I, I told you this before we hit record. One of the things about it is, is that, look, the optimist is going to tell you it's been seven games. And in the grand scheme of things in a normal season, seven games. I mean, let's say this way. This happened when they went to the West Coast in January, in December and January a year ago. Right. They were, you know, they had a rough stretch. What they do? What they do? Go one five and one in seven games. It was like rough. Like, they won one game on a six-game West Coast trip. One of them. That was the trip that Oscar left the team on, correct? No, that was later. Oh no, no, no that was so, later. Right, right, right. So no, so so they got the Oscar news and they went zero for three on a like zero and right. three on a on a road trip that included two game or technically yeah two games in like the Denver, you know. Right. It was Colorado. Right. Well, they yeah. Went to, yeah, they went to Colorado. Who else? They, they, they did Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg. Okay. That's what it was. So, so yes, you did Colorado. Played, you did the Rockies. Right. To an extent. Yeah. And then you went on the road again a few weeks later after the Christmas break. And, right, right, right. And, and that was lost, the god-awful trip. And lost to everybody but Anaheim, who was not very good. <sighs> no. And, but you and, lost and, to and some teams that off, also weren't very good. And capped it off with an overtime loss to Carolina. Yep. Yeah, I and remember that's that. where you were going in. And then all of a sudden from there, the switch flipped. You beat Washington when you probably didn't have any right to. And then yep. you went through the rest of your year slowly building it up more and more and more until you were knocking on the door of the division lead. That's how good you got that yeah. quickly. And you were doing it like teams, teams were talking or the league was talking that if the season had continued last year, the Flyers might have won the division. Correct. And then, and then going into the playoffs, and who knows what happens because right. it's a different structure. They would not have been the same structure. No, they would so, have played the the second wild card team or the yeah, first wild card been, team because there's or, no way right. to know. Yeah, know. They probably Everybody's, would have played the first wild card team, which might have been Toronto. It could have been the man. That would have been a fun series. Whew. Yeah. Also, but side note on Toronto, I'm certainly glad we don't have to play this year's version of Austin Matthews because oh man, that boy is scary. See, see, I'm I'm not glad they don't have to play that. I know I just used like the double negative there, but like, no, no. Here's the reason. This is part of the reason why it's hard to evaluate the team. You played three games against the same team this you're week. You're playing you in think, a vacuum. No, do you think that they didn't figure out what was working the first night wasn't going to work the third or the fourth night? You know, yeah, we, I, or, you know what I mean. We talked about looking at it like a mini playoff series, and we talked about it with Pittsburgh, and we talked eh, to a to a similar extent with Washington this week. I know we had that Buffalo game in there, but still. You play the same time, same game three or same team three times in a week. Sorry, and by the third game, there's that familiarity. And uh, there was a stat on the broadcast that I wanted to mention where they talked about Washington being the oldest team in the league, uh, average age of uh, thirty plus. And you know, you got Zidane Chara, and you got Washington is a big, physical, experienced team. And over three games, they beat you down. And it wasn't just that they beat you. They leaned on you. They wore you down. They tired you out. And I don't want to play Washington in a playoff series after what we saw out of them this week. Well, I mean, things are back to normal for them in a sense, too. And I know that it's a not normal world, but you know what I mean. Like, Man, Zidane Chara on that team is just unfair. That's just scary. Why are we doing that? 
<laughs> because he went, you know what? I'll tell you why it's happening that way. Because he went to a team that's actually going to have a shot, and he knows it, and he's right. And he's right. You know, and, and think about what they've overcome to an extent. Because, And I'm, I know it's weird to say it that way, but they really have overcome a lot. Because let's put it this way. Go down, the, go down the checklist of what Washington said to put up with this year. They signed Henrik Lundqvist to be the backup to Ilya Samsonov, thinking, okay, we're going to get this really good veteran guy in here, and he doesn't get to play a game because— And give Hank a chance at a cup. Like, they were doing a good right. thing for Hank, I no, think. No, no, granted, he's already back. Like, he's skated on occasion, not in full gear, but he's skated. No, but they're not ruling out the possibility he could actually return this year. Well, and the nice— new news. I the mean, nice look, thing is the Capitals will do whatever they need to do to get his name on the cup if they get there. Sure, that's I, I get that part of just it. Looking, just so, looking okay. way down so the future the for that. No, so that's the first part. Then they have a situation where four guys have to go on the COVID list because they were supposedly all hanging around each other in they like a hotel protocol. room or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And it's not just any four guys. It's Alex Ovechkin, it's the big four. Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dmitry Orlov, and Sam Sonov. So you're... Starting goaltender is going on the list, right. and then didn't come off right away. Your all time, like one of the all time great goal scorers, is on the list and goes on for four games. One of your top three defensemen goes on the list for three, four games, and Kuznetsov was out for the better part of two weeks as well. Yep, right. And here's and and what happened? And the played, NHL didn't shut them down. That's well, no, that's, that's not, the no, big no, difference. That's, that's, oh no no no, that's not why. That's not where I'm going. And what happened? They played those games without those four and went 3-0-1. Yep. And then Tom Wilson got suspended again. And it took out what Tom people Wilson. think is the physical element to their team. Oh, the physicality's gone. Oh, the tough guy's gone. Whatever. Oh, Zidane Ochara more than made up for it this week. So does let's Garnet be Hathaway, by the way. Who, and so did Garnet Hathaway. Rat, like, who, all right, let's get, let's get frustrated about something else here, right? Hey, can we no. not get a penalty call when he assaults, who is it, Sean Couturier? He he went after multiple players this week. At one point in time, I mean, there it happened multiple times. There was let's this way. There was um, against Buffalo. There was the Curtis Lazar flipping Scott Lawton. Yeah, that was trip with the stick. Frustrating, dangerous play. And yeah, I don't remember anybody going after that guy. And yeah, also no and penalty then, call. And on then the you had you know, and then there was an elbow to the head of Couturier at one point in time. I forget if it was Hathaway or somebody else, but elbow to the head of Couturier. And oh, by the way, your captain got ragdolled around the ice last night. By Garnet Hathaway, who has been a pain in, in your rear end the whole time. I should have just... Listen, Kevin, you can say he's a pain in the ass. It's okay. You know what I mean. It's okay. We're I a PG-13-ish show. We I can know. say you know ass. I know what I'm saying. He's a pain in the neck. No, but I, I watched as, like, five seconds it was going on. I know. It was bad. And nobody moved. Nobody no. did anything. And you were and losing a game. All we had this week was Andy Andrioff and Garnet Hathaway in a pretty decent fight. Andy, Andy Andrioff landed some shots. But what does it say that that's the guy who has to come in who's on the taxi squad half the Right. Year? Well, that's the thing. If Andy Andrioff is in your lineup and he's he's like a Matt Martin type, okay, and he fights, cool. That's sure. But the fact that you had to dress somebody to answer the bell. Well, I, and I, I to, quite frankly, I, look, I'd have to go back and I'd have to look up how many fighting majors Andy Andrioff has. I'm not saying he's never done it before in his career, I'm, but I'm, but I, I'd be willing to lay a wager. It's not as many as people want to think. I think Andy Andrioff is um, accepting his veteran role, shall we say, oh, and well, getting ice time however he see, however he can. And I'm sure. not blaming him at all, for sure. But I, I think that's kind of where he's at in his career, where he kind of accepts that that's probably going to be his only role on a team that's above 500 
Is that fair to say? He's not a particularly uh, impactful hockey player on sure, in yeah. terms of you know production. But it's 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 just it blows my mind how how soft this team is. And before people yeah. and before people go, oh, then just get a tough guy. That's not what I'm talking about when I say they're soft. No, they're this soft. team wants Wayne Simmons back. No, but they're soft because of the fact that look look at the difference between last year and this year. Last year you would go into the corners or go into board battles or whatever it is. And the thing that Washington did so well this week is one guy's in engaged in the battle and the second guy is right there so that when it does come loose, you get possession. You're there to dig there's it out. Never, there's no support with, with the Flyers. None. They, they, they have one guy go in and do the dirty work and two guys watch while eventually it becomes a lost battle. That's the right. first part. The second part is net front presence. The Flyers don't crash in that enough. And let's just say there might as well be an open open twenty four hour sign in front of the Flyers net because they don't yeah. clear the, the front of the net. And if it you're not is, in the corners and you're not in the slot, what are you doing? But it is so easy to get that positioning, so easy to get there, and so easy to just plant yourself there and 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 not be moved. Yeah. That's that's another part of the problem. It, this is not about they don't hit people or they don't fight people. This is about you don't make it difficult to play against. At all, and I, I I said it after Thursday's game, and I said it again after Saturday's game. It's a beatable team. They are very beatable because they because they do not play tough. They don't play that tough game that makes it difficult to beat them. And as long as you're not playing tough, you're not going to make the playoffs. If the Flyers have any shot in the world of being a contender this year, in any whatever for whatever definition of contender you would like to use, do they need? Matthias at home. It wouldn't hurt. Um, I mean, I, I, can this current roster do it? Because I, I don't particularly see it, uh, specifically on the back end, because when I look at the back end, I don't see anyone that I want clogging up the slot. I don't see anyone that I want taking up space in the defensive zone, right? Ivan Provorov is a good defender. You know, all these guys are good defensive. They're all mobile. They're all active. There is no take up space in the defensive zone defenseman. The closest you get is Robert Hag, and he just doesn't quite have the skill level. Do right. they need a guy like Ekholm to just eat up minutes in that slot? And that's why I say it would help. You know, like it, it would help. And here's the thing you can go ahead and make that move. Let's just say you do, right? And, and we did hear whispers of, of it over the last couple of days. Just full disclosure, we've heard whispers, and they are nothing more than that. Right. Well, I wouldn't say that. Uh, they are that. not much more than that. They are no, nothing no, 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 substantial no, no. more than that. In terms of a substantial actual deal, yes, they're whispers. But right. the talk of something happening is much more than a whisper now than it was. There is quite a lot of smoke. Yeah. And where there's smoke, there tends to be a little fire. Yeah, we're not, and we're not talking about the what is it? I guess it would be the gas fireplaces that are up in the assembly room that are where I'm at now. Okay, no, I'm saying there. Well, just saying there's fire up there, so yeah, there I can sit there and say, "Oh yeah, by the way, there's fire." Uh, well, we're talking about conversations I'm to, I'm between Chuck Fletcher. The mood here. Yeah, we're we're no. we're talking about conversations between Chuck, Chuck Fletcher and the National Predators, and that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, here's where I'll, here's what I will say about this. The, the, there's a, there's always the possibility that doing something yeah. wakes up the rest of the team that's here and kind of, especially, like, let's put it this way, 
there's one thing I can tell you clear cut with with a thousand percent confidence and know it to be true. They can't get Matias Ekholm without moving somebody on the roster, on the active roster. Financially, they can't do it. Is that true? I believe Cap Friendly is projecting the Flyers to have five point one million dollars of cap space on draft day. If they do, that's news to me based on what they're unless that's what they're based on what they're saying or saying saving. Uh, from all of those, uh, right? The back injury and moves and I didn't, the, right. I didn't I think, think about it like that, but right? Because if you're looking at it, right now their projected cap space or their deadline cap space, their current cap space is 1.7 mil, basically. Right. If I'm rounding, and their deadline cap space will be 3.6. A 3.6 million. Okay, so doesn't so Matias Ekholm make right around that? I'll I'll check, but I think he's right in that. I'm actually on cap friendly already. He makes three point seven five. So okay, you are so you right got to clear. You got to clear a hundred k, and you can clear a hundred k pretty easily in the NHL. But but you're still not going to get him without giving up somebody on the current roster. For sure, and I agree that that's probably the case. But you could theoretically offer something like a Cam York type piece, and I'm not saying he's the piece, but uh, he's a name that I'm sure will be brought up. That would be a massive mistake. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I'm just saying if. It, it, because you could theoretically do it. Well, because now no, now you're walking another fine line. Because we can sit here and talk about draft picks and future and all that stuff. And I believe me, I understand why people out there are shying away from this. Right. Wait and see on the kid. Like there are people who are already done with Morgan Frost to an extent because they're going. You can't bank on potential of a guy who barely plays at this level. Uh, right. You're, He's you're just banking not getting on a guy's time. potential and saying yeah. it'll get better when he gets here. And what if that turns out to not be true? Right. You know, when it's when what no, when when we've said it about everybody else, right? Like it like th- there was a f- look. It's funny because it's true. But someone put out a tweet the other day. I forget where I saw it. Where it was the, the story of Phil Myers, 2018 was how did this guy go undrafted in 2021? It's oh, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> sure, like, like the you know. And I, that doesn't mean I don't think Phil Myers can be a better player than what he is or has he had shown a tough better. Week. It's just collectively, it's bad, right? And well, the easy the easy money if you're trading for Ekholm, by the way, is you just move Gustafson, right? Because he's just been poor. Nashville can flip him at half price if they want to try to recoup some assets. Like, there's your easy money on the back. I six. don't think I don't think a team is taking Eric Gustafson right now because if he can't even crack this lineup, which he well, should be, by the but way. But here's the thing: he signed until the end of the year, and he he makes a cap number that looks good in terms of getting that. And I, back. No, and I get what you're saying in that regard because that's the Nashville doesn't want him. No, but no, but here's no, but what you're saying when it comes to like say Nashville, and I'm not saying that you'll ever make this deal one for one. It won't be one for one. Oh like, no, I get what, you, but I get what you're saying because what you're saying is is that if the Flyers get Ekholm and Nashville gets Gustafson, what Nashville gets is exactly what happened when it was essentially is exactly what happened when it was Wayne Simmons for Ryan Hartman. Here's sure. a guy who's replaceable in Ryan Hartman to their roster. Didn't make that big of a difference for a guy like Simmons, who, worst case scenario, is a half a year to contract. Right, exactly. And then if Nashville decides that they're out of the playoff race because they're bad, they can flip them. If they want to retain a half, all of a sudden, Gustafson's number doesn't look quite so bad if he's making 1-5 on the cap as opposed to 3, right? If Nashville retains half a salary. I'm just saying he's the money that goes. So if it's something like Gustafson and then... You know, asset one, asset two, whatever right. your pieces are that are moving. Um, something like Wyatt Wiley and a second round pick or whatever whatever your trade ends up being. I'm not throwing anything, you know, super specific out there. But uh, if that's the trade, it, you would think, and I know you would think, <laughs> that the team would 
just get significantly better literally instantly, right? You, like the I second mean, no, Matias Ekholm steps hope. onto the ice. One one player isn't changing this team, though. This is a... Me- <sighs> and, well, no, I don't know, man. You're talking about a top... Like a legitimate top four defenseman. Probably a legitimate top two defenseman. It's still not going to change the- it. Because because what it doesn't change is, again, it's it's the Matt Niskanen argument. Matt Niskanen could be playing this year, and there's two things that could happen, honestly. One, okay, he could be making Provorov better, but he's not making the other four better because he's not on the ice with them. Well, sure, but if you're more confident in that pairing, you're willing to give them more ice time, and then your other pairings just get less I, ice time. I also think that Provorov is being overused this year, and I'm not I'm, saying, and no, and I'm not saying that in terms of minutes per se, but I situationally. I, I just, why is he on the power play? Yeah, Honestly. yeah, he shouldn't be. Let's and, just and, let's and just cut it. And, and I'm not saying that like he's a poor offensive player to an extent. It's just you could be doing like like I used to have this argument about Claude Giroux when it came to penalty kill. You're wasting good minutes on him on if the you, penalty kill and burning his energy so that later in the game he's not as fresh when you need him. Right. You need I, Ivan Provorov to be at the best he can be when it's penalty kill time and when it's five on five time. Simple yeah. as that. Ivan Provorov. And, and, you, and you've got two power play specialists on the roster. And that's the thing is Ivan Provorov is a valuable asset on the power play. Like if if the Flyers didn't have Shane Gostaspear and Eric Gustafson and Ivan Provorov was just your best defenseman and like you wanted to put him on power play one and Sanheim on power play two, kind of like you were running for a little bit of last year. I understand that. But now that you have Shane Gossesbeer, I don't want to say he's completely rehabilitated, but Shane Gossesbeer has done a lot for his image this year. Uh, Shane Gossesbeer no longer looks like much of an overpayment at $4.5 million. Thank God that contract looks okay again. From an offensive standpoint, yes, you're right. Right. And one of the things we've talked about on this show is that Shane Gossesbeer makes his money offensively and on the power play. Why isn't he your power play one? And well, like, Ivan Provorov doesn't need to be on the power play right now because you just have better options, right? You have plenty of talented forwards. You only need to run one defenseman on each unit. You don't need more than Ghost and Gustafson. And if you do, I would go Sanheim before Correct. Provorov at this point yep. just to give him the time. Because I think I think Travis Sanheim could and will in the future be a very good power play defenseman. But I think he needs to get some time with it. And I think if you're going to go to a third defenseman on the power play, I think it should be him over Provorov. Provorov should be fourth on the list. I mean, they mismanaged a lot of that power play from personnel anyway. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Are you saying that the Flyer special teams aren't being managed well? Is that is that yeah? Is that is that a surprising news story no, in 2021? No, it's not a surprising news story. But I'm surprised it's going on as long as it has. I mean, let's just like, yeah. Here, here's your here's what your top unit should be. Sean Couturier is your best player, period, on the team. He's got to yep. be on the top power play. He's got to be there. James Interim's like he's having a great year, and he's doing a lot of it at net front. He's got to be net front. Yep. You need you need Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek back on the same unit, and you need Shane Goss to spare back at the top. Done. That's uh, your top five. Honestly, I might substitute Jake Voracek for Joel Farabee specifically this season with the with the season Joel Farabee is having. But other than that, you are we, we are very similar and I agree with Jake Voracek as a reason, solid option there. The too. only reason I put Voracek out there is familiarity. Because okay, that's valid. Because y- y- let's just say 
I don't see anything when they're not out on the power play together that yeah. brings that. And I'm not saying it always works. I look, believe me, if there's anything I'm tired of, it's a team forcing passes like they do so often. Right. But you do take the cross ice pass away because you're throwing Giroux in different places. That at one point in time they had Giroux on the wrong, like on his off. Giroux wing on the white right wall was the most infuriating thing I've ever yeah, but seen. They have him. They have him over there, and they put then they put Sean Couturier over on on the left side. Which again is it's it, his it, strong side too. Like they're both, they're both. Neither one of them is on for the the one timer at that point. It was correct. awful. And then you're throwing Konechny in the middle somewhere or net front or whatever, and it's like it doesn't, it just doesn't work. Claude then, Giroux is not Alexander Ovechkin or Steven Stamkos or Vladimir no, Tarasenko. Look at, five, look at the six on five. But he certainly deserves to be in that spot. He deserves to be at the top of the left circle, hitting clappers. Right. If well, if he takes them, he again. Well, you know. when they're and he's got, I think he's gotten better at pulling the trigger on them when they're open. I I don't know if he has the confidence in his shot to pull the trigger, maybe as quite as often as he should. But if the shot's he, there, Cludger generally he, tends to take it. He won't do it unless he has a wide open net like he did last night. I guess. No, and that's and that's half the problem. I'd like to see him have a little more confidence in his shot because Claude Drew has a hell of a shot. Uh, there's a lot wrong with this team. I I agree that I don't know if Matthias Ekholm fixes it, but I really think he does so 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 much. I think. I mean. That would Look, solve I'm, I'm, a lot I'm, of your I'm gonna, problems. I'm going to pop up this this little graphic you got here because I feel okay. like we do need no because I feel like we need to address it because I didn't like like we mentioned it you know Ekholm would be nice but there's another piece to this that could be interesting well, right Do you want to mention the specific rumor sure that, okay. now uh, the the person who had it first is Anthony Sanfilippo from Crossing Broad who. Has a lot of insight. Has a shout lot out, of insight. Shout out to Anthony. He's a good. He's a good asset to follow if and, you're into and, if you're into the Philadelphia Flyers for sure. And props to him because he beat COVID earlier this year and it was not pretty. Like good for him. Not, he was in the hospital for a while. I didn't missed, know that. Missed, but good for a him. Lot of time. Like he missed like two or three weeks of the season. Like he was. I'm not glad kidding. you're doing well. He went to. He went from. Uh, he went from being at training camp, which was all of a week, okay. to. All of a sudden, it was like the first two games of the season, and it's, he's in the hospital right now. And wow. Like, it's not looking like for a while it was like it was not looking good, and then well, it was, we're all we're all certainly awake. glad he's feeling oh, better for sure. He's he's been back to games all the time. He's he's good. looking great, doing great. So it's awesome. awesome. Um, but the deal apparently, or part of the conversation, was a Matthias Ekholm and coming to Philly, which which is look, that's part of it that I sit there and I go makes all the sense in the world. It's, it's the been a rumor for a while now. Basically, it's, it's all the season. type of player they're looking for makes all the sense in the world. Yep. Now let's get to the parts that don't make as much sense. There's some that, spiciness or, going and, on and, here. And, 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 and again, this is not to discredit what somebody's saying as a report. This is just, I'm sitting there going, I'm going, why would Nashville listen to this? It sounds unbelievable. It kind of does. Yeah. Right. Like, like, honestly, not, we're not saying it is, but it sounds no, but a like, little okay. too good to the, be true, the reason, honestly. The reason I'm saying it sounds unbelievable or that I sit there and I say this is where it's really surprising or it doesn't make a lot of sense is because right. if if Chuck Fletcher's out there trying to make a deal and this is the offer that's on the table, I don't know why you haven't pulled the trigger yet. Right. You know, um, unless unless it has to do with the inclusion of one player in the deal that we're, well, we've talked about already. Well, and but, the, the offer is. Okay, so Ekholm was part of it and that's fine. So, what would okay? So you start with that because you go, what would the Flyers have to give up to get Matthias Ekholm? And you know, 
to no one's surprise, draft picks are involved in this. Sure. And it's not small draft picks by any stretch. It's they're would, talking they're talking like a first and a third. I would imagine they're hardy draft picks for sure. Okay. That's fair. You really need, you know, let's put it this way. That's what the draft picks are there for at this stage sure. of where you are. Like, We've talked about that a lot this year, yeah. But you, like you've played around with and this is like remember that this is also in the off season what helped you get better to an extent like a year like a year ago when it was Matt Niskanen, look what he did. Uh Justin Braun came in. Look at how, look at how much better the defense played as, as a whole. Even though Braun left some stuff to be desired, look how much better they were at shot suppression, goals allowed, all that stuff. Like everything well, changed and, in that direction. And Chuck Fletcher has, on multiple occasions, praised the cabinet that Ron Hextall left behind. Sure, and, and but, but yeah. they did it a lot without having to give up a player. You know, right. they weren't giving up prospects to get those guys. They traded a bunch of draft picks. Well, sure, and, 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 and one, that's and in, what. And in one case, because it, it was in, in Niskanen's case, it was here's Radko Gudis. So you upgraded a defense. Well, you that's know. what a full cabinet does. Is it? It allows you to spend a couple of years spending draft picks as capital while your while your full cabinet matures and grows into their role. So the fact that Hextall has left, you know, the the fairly full cabinet here, all of a sudden, Chuck Fletcher has the flexibility to go out and get a Matt Nithkin and go out and get a Radko Gudas, go out and trade a pick to pick up Kevin Hayes, right? Right. Trade, right. But, you know, some, some small like the, that. Like, but that's the significance yeah. of what they did is. It's a fifth rounder to get the rights to Kevin Hayes and then Absolutely. sign him. It's right. a second and third rounder to get Justin Braun, and even that might have been a little steep. It was definitely a little a, steep, for the record. <laughs> but, it's, but it's also no, but it's also Radko Gut. Was, was there anything else in the deal? Was there a pick in that deal? I'm I think there sure. might have been. Uh, there was some salary retention, and I think yeah, the, the Flyers might have given up a flyer pick side, too. Right? Yeah. The, uh, so the then the Capitals gave up a pick. I think they either way. I don't remember there being a pick coming back to the Flyers. Is the point I'm making? Maybe you're so right. It might have been, okay. So it might have been Gudis with salary retained by the Flyers for Niskanen. Maybe you're right. Is what it was. So, but the point is, is that you made all those deals and didn't give up a prospect. So you kept the full covered. All you yep. did was deplete some of the little bit of draft capital. Some of the the draft picks you had for the future, but you've already picked so many times. That's what you were there for. That's what moving exactly. to that next step was all about. Was right. You're, you've made it to that point where you can trade a couple of draft picks to get a player who you think helps you. And Chuck Fletcher is now spending his future draft capital, and it, and it's the perfect time to be doing so. So I'm not afraid about a pick, you know, or two. I don't care. That's what they're there for. Like right. you even a first time. round pick, but you maybe also spend, not this year, right? But you've also spent. Well, th- there's a lot of belief that moving a first round pick this year is not going to be as easy. Like teams want the first round pick for the following year, because, uh, right? Because this year's draft is a little bit not weaker. Playing, so it's yeah. not giving the guys who are not drafted yet a good chance to get exposure. Yeah, and I have a feeling uh, I've been doing a little bit of early research for some deep fantasy leagues I'm in, and the the 2022 draft looks very very good. Okay, I mean, so just that those those picks will be highly sought after, but at the same time. The Flyers are entering that stage where you're expecting to be picking in the mid to late 20s or early 30s. Like that's why you can afford to trade your first round pick because you're expecting it to not be a lottery selection like ever in any universe. Well, and not and not only that, but that's it's not just that you don't expect it to be in the lottery, but it's also that's why it's easier to part ways with those picks. That's why teams do because when you're exactly. picking 27th or whatever, you go, I'll get rid of that pick. Let's, and, and 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 teams get used to doing this. The Flyers would go out and grab a second first round pick when they could over those years because it was here's another chance to get another player who might help for the future. You can look at it however you want to. You know, Joel Farabee was not the Flyers pick. 
Right. You know, he wasn't. No. And but they, they went out and got it and got their they guy got and they got him. And they made it work. And, and, the and now you have a player who looks very, very good. Joel Farabee looks very, very good. Joel Farabee looks very, very good. But see, here's the, but here's the problem. You can also luck into something with your good pick, like with your own pick, and it turns out to just not work out. Like, that's the way people are starting to feel about Nolan Patrick. He's a second overall pick that was your own pick. You kind of lucked into the situation, and he's not the player you thought he was going to be. Yep. Joel Farabee, or he's getting more ice time, having more success, and doing more for the team than Nolan Patrick is. And that's just fact. It's not like I'm sitting no, here picking true. on the guy. It's just That's just fact. Joel Farabee is contributing significantly more than Nolan Patrick is at this point, and there's really no question about it. So, All right, so let's go back to the deal for a minute, or the yeah, potential yeah. deal. So draft picks are no surprise. Now you got to get into the players who are going to go, and it shouldn't really be a surprise that at least one of these names is being discussed because it's probably the most expendable players you have at this point. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to believe saying the defensemen are some of the most expendable you have, but it's the truth. You know, it's... Um, so Shane Gossesbear and Eric Gustafson's name are coming up. And neither of those names individually is really much of a surprise, right? We've talked about uh, Gustafson on a short contract, kind of a movable deal, a guy who's at the bottom of the lineup when he's in the lineup, power play specialist. Shane Gossesbear obviously has been uh, the subject of trade talk for, it seems like, going on two years now. Uh, so neither of these guys individually is all that... Uh, you know, surprising, but I think the combination is a little like, no, really? Would you trade both of them? Okay. But if you're getting Ekholm back, I obviously, I think you do that. (laughs) Uh, So what was, what was the rest of it? Um, A surprising addition to the group or to the, to the rumor. Victor Arvidsson. Yeah. on, On the Nashville side of things, it got very, very spicy when you talk about, Ekholm and Arvidsson potentially coming to Philly in exchange for Ghost, Gustafson, and, and two draft picks. Draft or, picks. Or, or, or whatever. It doesn't really make a difference. The if it's a first, if if that's the deal, and if it is a first and a third, done. Right. Chuck Fletcher, why have you not done this deal? Well, because here's the other thing. First of all, at this given point in time, you've got to throw the expansion draft out the window. If you're making that kind of deal, yeah, absolutely. Well, no, not even for that. Because let's put it this way. You got two options right now. If you choose to do nothing and try to see how it works itself out, you might come out of this. There's no reason to say you can't. Sure. But there's also say, a real possibility you end up as a medium team that goes out in the first round. Right. Again. So, but, but see, my point to that is, is that then if Seattle's watching this year and going back and like at some point in time, you can't reference, oh, they had a run from January to March and they looked really good and then they made the playoffs and they won their first three games back from being in the playoffs and then they won a playoff series and then, uh, you know. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, at some point in time, it becomes the part of the season that you go, well, that was just a really good run, but this is who they are, right? Right. And if that's what it is, then who's Seattle taking that's such a loss? Honestly. I. So a name that I'm concerned about the Flyers losing, and I, I've been worried about this for a while now, is Scott Lawton. Lawton you might protect. <sighs> I'm concerned just because you have to protect who? Voracek, Giroux. No, you, no, you, don't, no, you have don't have to protect, protect Voracek. I'm sorry. Right. Uh, Jake Voracek's contract protects Jake Voracek. Uh, you protect Claude Giroux. You protect Kevin Hayes. Yeah, Giroux uh, and Hayes have no move clause. No so you have to protect them. You're right. protecting Sean Couturier. You're protecting probably look. You're, you're pro- protecting Travis Konechny. Yeah, you're protecting Oscar Lindblom. 
More than likely. I mean... Uh, you're projecting no, Oscar Lindblom. Um. No, 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 no. Listen, what I'm trying to get at is that I don't know if another team is going to sit there and then say, I need to have that guy. I'm not saying... Oscar Lindblom's a great story, and a lot of people know who he is around the league now because of it. You know, as bad of a circumstance as it is for knowing him. He's not the player he was a year ago yet. And that's not to say he won't get back there. It's just... Right. I don't know if that makes him a threat for expansion, though, as much. Other than, other than that he's got two years on his contract left at $3 million. That's about the only thing I've got. Who's, who's running things in Seattle? Is it Ron Francis? Yes. I think Chuck Fletcher, I'm sure, has already had a conversation with Ron Francis. I've been um, a proponent of the Flyers being in a position where they're trading an asset to Seattle in exchange for um, having some influence on who Seattle picks. Now, the Lawton discussion, by the way, is interesting for what it's worth because Lawton's a free agent at the end of the year. Oh, which, right, right, right. No, okay. So you don't have to protect them. You don't have to protect them to retain him because you even can if float Seattle them over the Seattle him, period. Yeah. No, but even if Seattle takes him, he can then say, I'm not signing, go back into free agency and return. And sign with the Flyers. Right. At that so, point, he can just only sign seven and can't sign eight. Right. That's the only thing he loses. But even then, the, I don't know the why Flyers weren't signing. I don't know why anybody but. in the current atmosphere of the league in general would want to sign for anything too long term. To no, I agree. I'm just saying I, like he would of, like, technically like lose that ability. Actually, in a weird way, at the end of the day, does it make a lot of sense now to look back at some of the deals and go, this is why Phil Myers got the three-year bridge deal. This is why Oscar Limblom got the three-year bridge That's deal. That's exactly why. Because for you didn't sure. know. It yep. needed to be proven beyond one year. Yep, and we knew that the cap was going to stay pretty flat, and it's, okay, here, play under this contract while the cap is flat, and then when the cap opens back up, we'll see if we can pay you. We'll see if you earned it. Right. And I know people are going to sit there and point, like, there's a lot of pointing out that, like, oh, Justin, you know, Justin Braun was, like, like was the response to Niskin and retiring, and Robert Haig's contract was the response to Niskin and retire. Like, I think like they were going to re-sign Hag. Maybe a little bit Braun, but I think they were going to re-sign I Hag I think regardless. Braun was gone until Niskin and retired. Oh, right. That's what I'm saying. I, I, you know, I and agree then, with that. And then in like a... Well, we need somebody. Well, it, no, that was, like, that was more of your knee-jerk reaction to that news and getting somebody in. Realistically, the one that kind of bugs me the most is, is Gustafson. Because at the end of the day... You didn't have to sign him, right? Like, like, At all. like, like. Here, here's my problem with it. They've got you know Provorov, Gostisbehere, Sanheim, Myers, Braun, Hague. That's six, okay. And even if one of them's not able to go, or somebody's not playing the way that you want them to, and the season's going exactly the way it is right now, right. And if you do you flashback, chose, we were talking about expanded chose rosters last night as a coaching staff. You literally <laughs> chose last night to dress Nate Prosser, yeah, over Eric Gustafson and Robert Hague. Yep. What does that say? It doesn't say good things, right? Like, but then, see, but then, my point is, is that if you're going to dress Nate Prosser over Eric Gustafson specifically, forget H- Hag for a moment. If you're going to dr- dress Prosser over Gustafson, why did you even sign him? Right. Then what's the point of him being here, other than that he can help the power play, which he hasn't done as much of this year anyway? Then why is he even here? Why did you literally write write a check for three million dollars this year and say, "Here you go, we're just throwing the money away"? And and. You've mentioned a bunch of defensemen, and you haven't even mentioned a guy like Mark Friedman, who is a viable option for this roster sure. and hasn't really now seen a whole playing, lot of playing now you're time playing this year. Prosser over two other guys, when even Friedman a guy like Mark Friedman, right? Yep. Nate Prosser, I'm not 
there's nothing there. And I'm not sitting here trying to say, by the way, because there's nothing there for me. No, when Friedman got claimed off waivers, it's not the biggest loss. I'm not saying he's an automatic replacement, but the point is, you had him here at the beginning of the season. You he's your he was your seventh. Yep. Then Nate Prosser's your eight. Right. So you're telling me that you didn't trust in Mark Friedman enough as a seven to not go out and get somebody else who you essentially signed for but you're three playing Mark million Friedman. dollars to be your right. seven. Or, or, I'm, right, but you're playing Nate Prosser over guys that you went out and signed getting, in free agency. Like, like I'm kind of getting yeah. tired of the there's seven million dollars tied up in a third pairing. Right, That's or, ridiculous. Or, or in the press box because they're not good enough to get on the ice. Right, like. I, I get how Ivan Provorov is worth six and a half million, six point seven five million dollars. I get, I get how Sanheim and Myers are going to make over over two three million dollars. I get how that has to play out at a certain point. But you're telling me you couldn't have saved the three million dollars on Eric Gustafson and gotten somebody else who right. fills a better a bigger need for that defensive core than a guy who can play on the power play. Like that's that's the joke of it. Like. Right. That's missing the mark so badly in my And then opinion. and then the jokes on you because you hired you know you you signed this guy to be your power play specialist and then your old power play specialist figured it out. <laughs> so, to an extent. To an extent. Right. I'm not I'm not willing to call Shane Goss's bear completely, you know, 100% whatever, but he's I'd say he's most of the way back to kind of living up to the hype as it were. The, and, the, but the problem that people are going to have with the whole thing is you know when you go down up and down the lineup, Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Kevin Hayes, James Interim's like Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton, Joel Farabee, Nolan Patrick, like you start to list those names off, you're going, how is this a team that looks like this? I know. Well, let, let's circle all the way back around to where this conversation started, and that's the Nashville trade rumors. Does this team look better if you add Victor Arvidsson and Matthias Ekholm oh, to it? I, I I would love to see what Victor Arvidsson would do in this in this city. I would love to see what Victor Arvidsson would do in any city but Nashville. He is so stale there. He needs a change of pace so bad. Well, I think you can say that for a lot of their guys. Yep, honestly, and he's but. gonna wherever he goes, he's gonna look good because he's a forty goal scorer in the like he's a dyed in the wool forty goal scorer, and there are right. not like, many of those. Yeah, he's gonna be dangerous. When he let's gets somewhere, it, he's well, happy to be playing. It. Nashville was a really, 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 really bad team last year and so far this year, right? Yep. Uh, obviously. Yeah. In a really, really bad year that didn't get completed, which we've talked about a number of times when it comes to the 2019-20 season. Of course. He still had 15 goals. Yep. Probably about Now, this year, now this year in 20. 28, he's yeah. got three goals and 13 points, which kind of just shows where that team is. Now, not, now it's bad. Nobody's scoring there. No, no. Well, now look. They're defensively, and this is part of the problem with the Ekholm stuff. They're missing four regulars defensively right now. They do not have Roman Yossi. He's out with an injury. They do not have Ryan Ellis. He's out with an injury. Dante Fabro got suspended. Yep. For a little while, so he wasn't playing. They're down to like they're down to the bare minimum when it comes to their defensive group. And now they're talking about moving a guy like that. Now my thought by and I think they're going to. Well, because my thought behind that is if they don't, like, that window went from opening, hey, look, they can make a Stanley Cup final, look how good they could be, all that type of stuff. They made the final in, what, 17, right? Yeah, and they, I still think they got robbed in that because of the early whistle against the Penguins in, I think, game six. 
where they yeah, missed a you. huge, yes. huge man. That whole series would have been different if that puck goes in. Well, there would have been a game seven, but quite frankly, they were having the same problem that for a lot of people, like the Flyers, were having over the years, which is like over last year, which is when they would go on the road and play in Pittsburgh, which obviously it was a different animal in that year in because the of Stanley fans. Cup final, yeah, well, no, uh, because of fans, yeah. It's like I don't think they would have won that game seven. I do think they deserved a better fate in the game six, but I don't think they would have won that game seven. Anything can happen in a game seven. That's true. Now, the reason I point out like what year it was is, like I said, that was the 17 Stanley Cup final, right? So that was the first year that Arvidsson kind of broke out. 80 games, 31 goals, 61 points. It's like, oh, all of a sudden he went from the best season he had was a 56-game season with eight goals and eight assists to 30-goal score. Yep. And it was very impressive, and he was – a catalyst to that team in the playoffs and how they got to where they were in that year. And then the next year, he did not play in as many games. He missed four games instead of two and came up one goal short of a 30-goal season, which you could very easily contribute to missing four games right? when you needed one goal. And then the following year, he played in only 58 games and had 34 goals, which was a yeah. career high. Yeah, he's insane. Like one of so, these days, Victor Arvidsson's gonna score forty goals. You get him, you're gonna get a forty out of him at some point. If you have him for a couple of years and play him on your top power play unit, play him on your top line. It's all you need. It's all and, you and, need. Well, and here's the thing: like, I, I get kind of not curious about, it, but I, I assume like, like you're right. It's probably just so stale there that it's driving it's bad. Up all it's of the offense. Because bad. if I go and I look at who he's playing with right now, it's a joke that he has three goals this year. Right. I don't. I don't. I'm not a fancy underlying number. Blah blah blah. I can tell you, for almost a fact, that Victor Arvidsson's going to go explode somewhere. Well, because here's the thing: he's on the line right now with Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson, and yet they're not producing at all. If I go and like, I believe I can check uh, their last like five or something like that. Here, hold on. Oh, let's let's do this one. They're, oh no! Here's the whole okay. Here's the whole year. Philip Forsberg's having a good year. He's got ten goals and seventeen assists, so that's twenty-seven points in twenty-eight games. He's the point per game player. All right. The but down the middle, you go. Ryan Johansson has two goals and six assists. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's missed some time. He was on the COVID list for a while. He's, he's only also played, not exactly but the he, youngest. But he's played. But he's played in twenty games. So eight points in 20 games for your top line center isn't very good and then Matthew Shane hasn't been very good I don't know what Matthew Shane's just you know and he's out of the lineup right now so that's really yeah he's he's out too okay right now they're missing um yeah Duchesne's out Ellis is out Luke Cunnan's out Soros is out so the top goalie's out Yossi's out Borshevsky's out there's another defenseman so sorry I missed that that's the guy I missed so that's the four I wonder if Minnesota regrets trading away Luke Cunnan now that they're actually a decent team no, I don't think so, because Luke Cunningham's got five points this season. Well, again, in Nashville, it's kind of a rotten apple. Well, either way, in Nashville, it certainly seems like Nashville is going to trade Ekholm. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Arvidsson. I don't know if they're going to be in the same deal. I don't know if they're going to come to the Flyers. I wouldn't be surprised if they traded Arvidsson, because uh, I don't know if you heard. Uh, they came out and talked about their three untouchables. I think it was uh, it was Forsberg... Yossi and Rene. So things are going great in Nashville. 
I I would say that that's if that's their untouchables and there's something wrong with that picture and it's well, not it, that, no, it turns out that be, having one GM for 20 years can lead to some problems. Well, no, I hear you. Okay, so here, hold on. Here's the thing. So, uh, Forsberg is definitely an untouchable for them. Because, totally, that one's fair because you build around him. I get it. He's Same your Yossi, he's your stud. Yossi, he's, Yossi yeah. when he plays is still very good. He was like, a Norris contender last year. Right, and he's been out of the lineup this year, so it's not like some of the stuff is his fault specifically. No, for sure. Um, and, and in fact, him being gone is part of the reason they've been so poor. And if you and if you want to say you're going to try to build around Soros because it's finally his turn and Rene is going to be untouchable to be the no to be the backup, right? Because you want the veteran presence and he still can win you a few games. Sure, you can go with that. But I think what like. That I'm talking about a window that, like, you sit there and you go, the Stanley Cup window was wide open in 2017 yep. when they were making a run, and it's like, look at all these guys they have that are just coming up. Look at, look at our. They're such a good team, right? And Joe and Johansson. I don't even know if Johansson was even on the team yet. He was. He he got there that year, I think. Okay, but like, Duchesne he was part of the part, thing that Duchesne pushed them over the top. Part, but Duchesne wasn't a part of it. And, and there's no. other like there's other guys that factor into no, the but they still well. had P, they had PK Subban there. They had James Neal. They had. they had James Neal when James Neal was, was still okay. Really yep. Uh, Pekka Rene had a good year because that's the thing with Pekka Rene. He's hit or miss like like some top tier goalies, right? Sergei Bobrovsky is the same way. He, he has good years. He had bad years. You know, Devin yeah. Dubnik was the same way for a couple of years. You caught a good Pekka Rene year. Yep. And you got hot. Sure, but that's. But that's part of where you like it goes that direction, and it's not like like I look at I look at Philip Forsberg and I say that's a superstar quality player. That's a guy who changes a game when he's on the ice late in the game and can make a difference. He's he did it earlier this year. He had a game earlier this year where he literally by himself made a play to win a game in overtime, and you go, that's the difference maker. That's a guy who takes a matter into his own hands and wins a game, you know, right, and things like that. So it's that's one part of it. But they they're getting to the point where they know that, and I'll try to you know because I still have it I, because I still have it open. Let me just go to their cap friendly for a moment because if I'm not mistaken, and I just want to make sure I'm semi right on this. So yeah, so Philip Forsberg's contract is up after next year. Arvidsson's is not. Is Forsberg a, an RFA at the end of that deal, or is, is he a UFA, UFA after that? Ooh, I wonder if they're getting nervous about that one. Exactly. I mean. And here's the thing, it's not hard to get nervous about him when you look at the rest of the guys whose contracts are up in this year or next. You know, are they they're freeing up a lot of money. Well, you got three point seven five million dollars to Mikael Granlin, who probably you know I don't know if he's going to stay or go. It just doesn't seem like he's a, a fit. You right. know, they've tried this from last year's deadline. Um, in two years, or well, let me stick to this year. Eric Hall is up after this year. That's only one point seven five mil though, so it's not a ton, but it's there. And then they've got guys like uh, Ellie Tolvanen and things like that who are RFAs, but that's that's a different story. And again, By the way, I think Mikhail Granlund will be a great center for the uh, the Montreal Canadiens next year. Ooh, he'd be a, he'd be a great fit on that team. That's spicy. I like yeah, that. I think he'd be um, a great fit on that team. Now, by, by the way, you the one the one deal you're going to have to make down the line also with, with and this is an RFA, but it's a deal you're going to have to make. Fabro's contract is up at the end of this year. And, okay. that's his, and that's his ELC. So he's going to make money. Well, he's, you know, he's going to make money. He's a right-handed defenseman who got himself suspended this year. Who? Okay, yes, he did. But I'm saying he's Hurting also your shot. value. Oh, uh, whatever. 
Oh, Although okay. they are Ooh. they are going to get into Detroit territory pretty quick, where they're not going to be able to sign anybody. It's it's going to be it's going to be tough for Nashville for a little yeah. bit here. It's all right. So oh. all right. So let's let's have fun for a moment because by the way, both goalies are up this year. Oh dear. Soros and Rene are up after this year. Is Soros? Soros is an RFA. Okay. Who? Man, because they R- would have. Sor- a... Soros is not only an RFA, but he's arbitration eligible, which See, helps. The problem um, with Nashville has ruined UC Soros because he should have gotten the reins three years ago. Basically, Pegarene should have started that. Pegarene had that run in 2017. When he came out and was garbage the next year, they should have used that year to transition to Soros. And they didn't. And now the kid missed his development window, and he's a 26-year-old backup or 24-year-old backup, however he's, old he is. Well, I was about to get there. It's not. I don't think it's that he's missed his window. Quite honestly, I don't know. No, I'll I'll, I'll tell you why. He's been. It, it's because he's been in the league so long as a regular backup. You know what I mean? Like right. He's yeah. He came this, up he's, young. He's been doing this since 16, 17. He made 21 appearances that year. Is he 26? He's 25. 25. Okay. But but my point in saying that is that. Jordan Bennington was an AHL goaltender until he was 26. Right. Does does he have 100 games yet? If you just kind of 132 stand. games played, okay. 116 starts. Okay, so he's got a decent little bit of experience. If he was a starting goalie, and you're looking success. at two and a half. He's got, 60, he's got 60 wins. Right. And well, I mean, there was a very good Nashville Predators team for the first half of his his tenure there. Not well, so much this year and last year, no, but no, you know. no. Well, this year it's it, this year. If you're not sure if it's a problem or not, just look at how his numbers have changed because. His workload has increased just pretty much every year, right? He he went from twenty one games played in sixteen seventeen as essentially a rookie because he played in one game uh, sure, in fifteen yeah, in fifteen sixteen. So twenty one games, nineteen starts. He won ten games. Goals against was two point three five. Safe percentage was nine twenty three. Outstanding numbers, right? Yeah, you know from that standard. The next year, twenty six games, twenty three starts, eleven wins, two four five goals against, nine twenty five save percentage. Okay, you're still good. good from your backup. Yeah. And that was the year. And that again, was the year. We're that talking year. about right. That's that's the year we're talking about premium uh, Nashville Predators. Stanley Cup sure. run Nashville Predators. Then you go again the next year, 18-19, 31 games played, 27 starts, 17 wins, 262 goals against. So the goals against is up, but he's playing more. Yeah, and, and the other Safe thing percentage I, is at 915. The other thing I do want to mention is that Nashville was a good enough team mm-hmm. that you're UC Saros is really only starting, you know, second half of back to backs against bad teams. You know, he's he's getting he's never broken the forty game mark is what you're trying to say. Except for like he's last getting year he played in forty games, but thirty four starts. And I get and that. not only that, but Nashville was good enough that they could cherry pick who they started their backup against a little bit. Yeah, I get you. Yeah, and so and there is a little bit of a grain of salt last, here with these so numbers. Last season was the first one he had kind of more of a majority of the workload because again every team played what fifty something games roughly. Yeah, I think Rene missed some time with an he injury. Probably did, too. but like what yeah. I'm saying is that so forty games, thirty four games started, okay, and seventeen wins again. So he matched the win total from a team that was starting to go downhill. Right, two seventy goals against nine fourteen save percentage, almost the exact same numbers as a year ago. Right, like as the year before when he was starting to get more starts. This year. You're at 13 games played, 12 starts, five wins, 310 goals against, and 895 save percentage. But he's consistently, for those previous four years when Nashville was still good and then trending in the wrong direction, going downward with all that, still giving you roughly a 260 goals against average and 
a 915 save percentage, which by most standards are league average. Right, and if especially when you're talking better. about a poor team. So he's not, uh, to me, he's not the problem. They no, I, give I didn't a, a say he was team a... in front of him. No, but I, I can see him working out as a long-term solution for them in goal. Right. Now, I never said Jose Saros was a problem or that he was you know totally ruined or blah, blah, blah. I think he could have been a really, really, really good goalie, and I think there was a chance that they missed the opportunity to kind of make that natural transition. I and, guess. I know where you're coming from. If you re-sign Pekka Rene, and if he's one of your untouchables, you're certainly going to try to re-sign him, right? Right. I now, don't now, know. I don't know how easy it is to sign Saros at that point, knowing that Pekka Rene is there, just because you know Pekka Rene is going to get a certain number of starts. Yeah, I mean, let's just say, here's what Nashville's problem is, and here is why they're going to try to do. And by the way, Arvidsson's talked about in this trade rumor, right? Yeah. Arvidsson's contract is $4.25 million, and and I believe one of the things that was talked about in this is that Nashville would be retaining some salary, too. How much longer is that? That is a... Uh, this year, after, next year? Three, that's three more years after this year. And Nashville would retain for four years? I, I've heard that that's part of it, possibly. Okay, then at that point... <sighs> Why aren't you doing the deal? Well... At that point, I think you're not doing the deal because they're asking for something else. And it's going to be something significant. It's going to be a Morgan Frost or two first-round picks. Or, like, if Nashville is retaining for four years, we don't see teams do that very often. Uh, if Nashville is going to retain over four years, especially when two of those years are still COVID, you know, flat cap years, well, this the, the you're going to pay a premium. The, well, they're not going to retain for like much of like the rest of this year is going to be a wash by the time it would happen. Sure, so sure. It's so it's three years basically. Uh, sure, but still, that's a that's a longer time than you see teams tend to want to hold sal dead salary on their books. Well, right? look like, for look for what it's worth. This is like we said. This is a very preliminary discussion. Are the Leafs still paying Kessel? Oh, that's a good question. I think this might be the last year that Phil Kessel's on the Leafs books, but either way, I, retention doesn't always work out very well. No, Phil Kessel's on the books next year too. Is he really? One point two million <laughs> next year as well. Um, no, there's like four different teams paying that. To shift, that to shift back to Nashville really quick because I feel like we've seen this before when it comes yeah. to uh, getting stuck behind some really bad contracts. Because that's their problem right now. Yep. You just want me to read off a couple of these bad ones? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. uh, beyond this year, and we already know where they're headed or what where it feels like they're headed. Beyond this year, they still have Ryan Johansson, eight million dollars a year for the next four years. Beyond Oof. this year, yeah, Philip Forsberg's making six million next year, but is, is a, a UFA after that, and is okay. going to be more expensive Arvidsson after four, that. Arvidsson is four point two five for three years beyond this season. Yep. Colton Sissons, which is not, and believe me, this is about as good of a value as you're going to get because he's a guy who does contribute two point eight two point eight five million. They have some. Bad ones down here in the or bottom. Or two point eight six million. I'm sorry, um, for the next five years beyond this season. Then get no. Then get into some of the other ones. Roman Yossi and Roman Yossi is a valuable player, right? Right. We talked about this. Did he just sign like a seven year? But Roman Yossi is also thirty years old, and he's got six <sighs> more years on his contract beyond this year. So is at it six more years or just at nine point oh six million dollars? Is it six more years or does cap friendly run out of space? Does it go further than that? Um. I mean, I'm checking for you. Oh, okay, because it might go further than that. It I might... don't think it. No, I don't think it does though. Because okay, 
I could have sworn this was the first year of the extension. No, because actually, I think they can actually chart. No, I think they can chart it that way if it does go beyond that year. Like they'll add. Oh, they a can. Year. Okay. Yeah. So I think he's one of the last ones. Uh, Matt Duchesne, eight million dollars a year for the next five <sighs> years beyond this year. Ryan Ellis, five, wait, six five million. after this year? Yes. God, Duchesne's a bad deal. Ryan, or Ryan Ellis, six point two five million for six years after this year. How old is he right now? Ellis is thirty-two. Thirty. Hang on a minute. So they Man, have. That's okay. That's one, okay. They, that one's no, okay. No, they, no, no, it's not because they have three 30 year olds locked up for the next five years after this who are going to play until they're 35 and they're already not a good team. I didn't say it was great, but like Ellis specifically, that's okay because I can see his style being okay until he's 36. At least Johansson's deal at four more years beyond this, he's 28. All right, it takes you till when he's 32, 33. Totally. That's acceptable. I get it. That's you know? a deal you can move. That's you a deal. You sign guys to these massive deals. Like, it's brutal. It's been. It's in two brutal. years, when you're at the bottom of your tank and Ryan Johansson is leading your team with uh, 43 points in 70 games, yeah. you can trade him at that point. But, all right, enough with the trade room. <laughs> enough with that stuff because it's yeah. like. You know what? Let's, let's do a, a quick look ahead and then get out of here because we are looking at theoretically keeping the show a little bit shorter. I think that one's out the window now. <laughs> Coming now, there up, there's a lot to talk about this week. I mean, it was a bad week, and trade rumors are being talked yeah. about, and guys are, you know, well, that it, was a bad, bad week. week. Hopefully, we have a good week coming up. The Flyers might add a defenseman during this trip if this Ekholm trade goes down. Uh, but basically, the Flyers are about to go to New York for a week, and they're going to play two games in the Garden, and then two games uh, against the Islanders. I don't know where the Islanders are actually playing their games this year, so I can't. <laughs> are they still splitting games? They can't be splitting games, are they? What do you mean? Uh, the Islanders? Are they still in two buildings? Um, are, they, are they still playing games in Nassau and Barclays? I don't know specifically, but like, okay. they're, working just on, they're working on building a new arena that's going to take over. And I know. I just like didn't know building, what they were and, doing. And supposedly, with... that, by the way, that's an important update from because the league did say that building will be ready to be used by next season. Oh, cool. So that's on track to be used when they planned to, which it's, is good. Assuming, assuming, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing changes with the construction. Because uh, sure. yeah. it's um, New York. Hey, listen, it's New York construction and can grind to a halt at any minute. Uh, but either way, we got four games in New York. If the Flyers don't take three points from the Rangers in these two games, uh, we have a serious problem. This, it's really hard to talk about it this way because it, you know, and here's why: the the rest of this month is as big as it gets for this team, and if they do not find a way to get back into the playoff race the rest of this month right it's over and yeah because when i say it's over i'm not talking about just the season right because you're looking at a stretch of winnable games rangers well, are no, winnable. you're looking at a stretch of games against teams that should be on your level even at your worst well right that's what i'm saying is you should be so able to beat the rangers. the rangers the three against the islanders are going to be yep. brutal yep quite honestly yep but the only thing you've got right now that's going for you Xander's Lee is out of the lineup for the foreseeable future on IR, probably missing the entire series. Will almost definitely miss the entire series if he's on the IR at this point. Oh, they do it retroactively, though. That's so fair. It's going, like, that's, that's the only reason I'm saying it like that. Right, but, but then looking looking forward, you got a game against the Devils and then a couple more games against the Rangers and then a couple more against Buffalo. Right. These are the teams you have to, have to, have to, have well, to you, collect you points turn, against. You can turn April, which, by the way, your reward for playing as well as you can in these next few games and turning it around if you think you're... Boston, the, Boston, Islanders, Boston. Well, no, 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 no. Just hear me out with this, like where I'm going with this. Because 
one of the things that I'm sure infuriated the hell out of people was the trending in the right direction comments after Saturday's game. You know, hey, they're trending in the right direction. You know, that's not what the record says, but they're trending in the right direction. Well, if you're trending in the right direction, you should beat the Rangers and you should beat the Devils and you should beat the Sabres. And that's six of your next nine games. Seven of your next ten. I'm sorry. Yeah, seven of your next ten, right? right? Something like that. Yes. There's ten games left in a month. That's seven of them right there. And you have three against the Islanders. If you can find a way to come away with wins in most of those games, you might be able to look at the first Islander game on the 3rd of April, to start April, the back-to-back against Boston, another one with the Islanders, another with Boston before you get to Buffalo, that first week or so of April. You might be able to look at the at the game against the Islanders, the two games against the Islanders there, or the three against Boston, and go, you know what? It's a new season right now. And, right. and the playoffs are within reach, or you're back in the playoff picture slightly, and you have a chance to establish your place again. Right, because at the end of this month, right, we're, t- we're talking about kind of laying out the rest of the month here. And if the Flyers can collect this many points through the end of March, once April hits, you're six weeks from the playoffs. And, and I, I know that you know we're still talking about being nine weeks away at this point, or eight weeks away at this point, whatever it is. Right. But, again, we talk about, the, we're talking about taking things in manageable segments. Right now, we're talking about the next two weeks. Right now, we should be talking about the next two games. Right. Game. Right, right. I'm just always talking about us speculating kind oh, of no, on no, the no, teams at a bigger yeah. scale. But then after that, it's a six-week sprint to the playoffs. And you have not put yourself in a good enough position where you can coast down the stretch. You're going to have to earn every point you can to make it because yep. this division is going to be very good. There was, I did want to mention uh, an article I've mentioned a couple of times uh, offline here. Uh, Dom LeCision wrote a fantastic article for The Athletic about uh, how good the East is. And guys, I hate to tell you this, but a team that would, in a normal 82-game season, project for a 100-point season is going to miss the playoffs. And it might very well be the Flyers. The Flyers could miss the playoffs with what would, in a normal season, be 102 or 103. It's going to take a very, very, very good team to make the playoffs in the East. And, and right now, you ha- they haven't been playing like it, that's for sure. But they have time, right? Again, you play well over this two weeks, and you're right back in the conversation. But it's it, it, but it's a tall order. That's the problem. It's a, it's a it is a tall order to say you just play better in the next two weeks, and it can turn it around. It, 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 right now, you've got to go out and win the next one. You've got to win against the Rangers Monday, Monday. night against the New York Rangers. And yep. quite honestly, if you lose one or both of those games, I don't Pull the know plug. That this. I don't know if this team is the same in the next three weeks. Do you think this tra- team trades, you know, the UFAs, Justin Braun, Eric Gustafson, whoever's not nailed I down, think basically? That, I think at that point in time, I don't know if if anything's off the table, quite honestly, except for, I, like, the obvious stuff, which is the no moves and things right. like that. Like, I'm, I, I'm I not sure if we'll see any huge... I, you don't see a world where he trades Travis Konechny, do you? Like, how, how no. big are we talking? Jake Voracek? Maybe, but okay. But it's a stretch. Uh, the money's, this year. The money's but it, tough, but yeah. but it's a stretch this year because no one's making deals. That's the hard part. Like, yep. well, and no one's got the cash. Like, and that's to pay why. Jake and that's Voracek. why I said what I what I really think is possibly going to happen is nothing. And I think that's a very real possibility, and that is something that we will have to uh, wait and see. Uh, Chuck Fletcher will make that decision as we move along. 
Uh, we're going to get out of here. We got four road games this week. It starts tomorrow night, uh, Monday evening against the New York Rangers. Uh, we'll be back here next Sunday to talk about all those games. Uh, we got some some preview videos. Kevin's doing preview videos over on the YouTube channel. I'll get back to doing the post game videos eventually. <laughs> I'm still working on my setup. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, speaking of the YouTube channel, follow us over there. Uh, you would think you know searches will pop up at YWT Podcast. Uh, the Twitter is at YWT Podcast. Kevin is at Kevin underscore Durso. You can also find the show on Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, SportsTalkPhilly dot com. Uh, everything. Uh, Kevin's uh, little message board is empty today so i don't know what the plugs are i have to remember it off the top of my head (laughs) yeah they've been on your ticker the entire time watching this show you know what that's just another advertisement to go watch on the youtube channel at ywt podcast all right guys we'll be back next week hopefully we have some more fun hockey to talk about we'll see you